This is Cliff Mass, and welcome to my weather podcast. Each week, I talk about current weather, provide a forecast for the weekend and beyond, and give you more details about an interesting weather phenomenon. It's Friday, September 10th, and there is a lot of weather to talk about. Everything changes during the next week. Summer will be over, I'm afraid. Real rain will return. 80s will be a distant memory. In fact, I suspect that you won't see 80 degree Fahrenheit again in western Washington until late next spring. Today, Friday, considerable showers and even some thunderstorms are moving northward east of the Cascade Crest, first in Oregon and then into eastern Washington, bringing substantial and welcome rain to the dry east side. It's very obvious on the radar. Lots of clouds today in the west because an upper-level trough is moving through, moving northward, and temperatures will rise to only around 70 degrees in western Washington, so we're knocking down our high by about 10 degrees. Now, Saturday will be a decent day, but cooler. Highs will only be in the upper 60s. There'll be plenty of clouds, a few sun breaks, but a weak front, weak Pacific front will approach, producing some light showers late on Saturday into Sunday morning. Uh, But the sun will come back on Sunday, and it will accentuate on Monday and Tuesday as high pressure rebuilds over the region. Temperatures will rise back into the mid-70s on Tuesday, not 80, mid-70s, and you better enjoy it. You won't see such warmth for a very long time, I suspect. And after the warmth on Tuesday, the big decline begins. It starts with a weak front, That will pass through on Wednesday, bringing a drop down in temperature to the 60s and some light showers. But the big weather action will be on Friday and Saturday as the first major weather system of the fall moves through. We are talking about a soaking rain, not showers, a soaking rain that will wet the soil down to depth and high temperatures on Friday and Saturday, we'll only get to around 60 degrees Fahrenheit. It's going to seem cold, trust me. Some lowland locations will receive a half to one inch. And in the mountains, uh, several inches will fall on the western side of the Olympics and the Cascades. The system will be strong enough that even eastern Washington will get some light rain. Now, this storm will greatly lessen the wildfire threat and help put down some of the fires that are still active. So in many ways, this is very good news. And if you look at the extended National Weather Service forecast going out two weeks, the message is clear. Cool and wet. Cooler than normal and wetter than normal. The atmosphere is revving up now. You can see it on the maps with the polar regions cooling and the differences in temperature between the north latitudes and the south latitudes of the northern hemisphere rapidly increasing. The result is a much stronger jet stream that will develop this week, something I will talk about in the second segment of this podcast. 
weather doesn't end with the forecast. Now let's talk about the special weather topic of the week. The weather maps show it clearly. The jet stream over the Pacific Ocean is going to rev up rapidly this week. But what is the jet stream and why do we care? The jet stream also has a fascinating history, including a major role during World War II. But first, let's get to the basics. The jet stream is a current of strong winds centered at approximately 20 to 35,000 feet above the surface. The core of the jet stream is generally only a few hundred miles wide and is located somewhere in the mid-latitudes, generally between 30 and 50 degrees north in the northern hemisphere and at similar latitudes in the southern hemisphere. The winds in the jet stream generally move from west to east. How strong can the jet stream be? As much as 250 miles per hour, although normally it's about half that speed. Now, the jet stream is not necessarily straight east-west, but can undulate north and south as it extends around the hemisphere, moving north in areas of high pressure, in which we call ridges, and south in areas of low pressure, known as troughs. Now, the jet stream is intimately connected with temperature, and particularly horizontal temperature differences in the lower atmosphere, which we call the troposphere. The core of the jet stream, the area of strong, strongest winds, is directly over the region of strongest or largest temperature gradients. Or to use meteorological terminology, the jet stream is over the area of largest temperature gradient, horizontal temperature gradient. Now, the differences in temperature north-south produce differences in pressure. And this difference in pressure results in the strong winds of the jet stream. During the autumn and the winter, as the polar regions of the planet cools, the north-south temperature gradient increases, resulting in a stronger jet stream. And that is why the jet is weak during the summer, when the polar latitudes are warm, and why it strengthens now in late summer, as cooling is occurring to the north. Now, why do we care about the jet stream? First, there's the issue of storms. The storms of the mid-latitudes, mid-latitude cyclones or low-pressure areas, the ones with, with strong winds and fronts, are generally located near the jet stream, securing energy from the large horizontal temperature changes that exist there. And the jet stream also tends to steer storms along its path. So the storms, the mid-latitude cyclones, tend to follow the jet stream. The jet stream has a huge impact on aviation, with aircraft moving eastward deliberately, moving into the area of strongest winds of the jet stream to get the strong tailwind that can lessen a trans-Pacific flight by as much as an hour or two. On the other hand, an aircraft moving westward will avoid the jet stream, often deviating far to the north to get out of the jet stream. So if you're heading from Seattle to Tokyo, 
you don't go right through the jet stream heading towards Japan. You go north, avoiding the jet stream. The jet stream was first discovered by a Japanese meteorologist, Wasoburo Oishi, who discovered in the late 1920s, who discovered the strong, strong winds as he tracked ascending weather balloons. It turns out that the strongest jet stream of the planet typically starts in southern Japan and then heads towards North America. Now, the term jet stream is generally credited to a German meteorologist named Silkoff, who in 1939 used the German term, and God knows I'll mess this up, Strahlstrungen, which means jet stream, to describe the strong winds. Now, the jet stream was important during World War II for many reasons. When high-flying U.S. B-29 Super Fortress bombers headed on bombing runs during World War II towards Japan, they sometimes got caught in the jet stream if they're moving from east to west, making extremely little headway towards, towards Japan because they were right in the middle of the core of the jet stream. Sometimes they were making no forward progress at all compared to the ground when the jet stream was really strong. Or if they flew the opposite direction from China to Japan, towards the east, they would have the jet stream as a powerful tailwind, and sometimes they would be moving too quickly for an effective bombing run. The Japanese even tried to use the jet stream as a weapon against the United States. They tried sending huge balloons with incendiary devices and bombs into the jet stream with a timer to drop these incendiary devices over North America a few days later with the hope of starting large wildfires over the western United States. These weaponized balloons, called Fugos, did little damage, although hundreds did make it across the Pacific. One problem with this approach was that the jet stream is strongest and most reliable during the winter, when the western United States is unlikely to burn. This week, the jet stream will strengthen greatly over the Pacific, and we here in the Northwest will feel its effects as the jet stream extends into our region. But now you know what is happening. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Feel free to send me your questions or any topics you would like me to cover. This podcast will be available every Friday morning on my blog and major podcast platforms. If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to use the Patreon link on my blog. See you next time.